0: What's up, you guys? Sean Moss Tap here for the Fightful.com podcast, July 31st edition, post-UFC 201. I am joined by Showdown Joe. Joe, we look pretty stupid. <laughs> Why would you say that? Um, I-, I won't even get into our predictions for this card. But, you know, just from the Ellenberger thing to, to me trashing Krylov pretty, pretty badly. But I, we'll, we'll get into the Krylov thing. But MMA is just now more than ever so unpredictable.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, well, if you want to talk about stupid, I mean, I, I can turn this around. I can't believe I paid for this pay-per-view. I mean, this is the stuff that I get throughout the bouts as they continue to go on. And even afterwards, I can't believe I paid for this pay-per-view. I, I mean, but what do you say? I mean, this is an absolutely fantastic card. So many fights, so many knockouts, submissions, surprises, proving mixed martial arts once again is so unpredictable. Uh, another reason why I tell people all the time, even when I had the TV show and the radio show and, and stuff that you and I do, don't listen to me. Don't. Because I could be right. I could be wrong. One, one card I can go, you know, nine for 10. Another card I can go two for 10. It just, it's mixed martial arts, man. It's so unpredictable.
0: You know, I talk all this trash to our viewers about how I'm going to dominate them at Draft Beast Fantasy Football. Draft Beast, our great sponsor. If and and likely when Draft Beast picks up an MMA game, I don't know that I can do that much bragging, Joe. Because well, I was
2: going to ask you that same question because when I was on the Draft Beast site, I was like, love the site, love the stuff. I'm like, hey, man, they got to get some MMA going here. Have you heard that they're going to get MMA?
0: I've heard that they want to get MMA. And uh, I hope it happens. I really hope it happens because I used to work for a fantasy MMA website called Counter Move that sold to a different draft site, and a lot of people were left disenfranchised by that. So um, I, I hope Draft Beast does get that. That way, I can at least talk a big game, only to look completely embarrassed. I'm looking down the betting lines. Tyron Woodley underdog. Carolina Kavolkevich. Underdog, Jake Ellenberger, underdog. Um, the Benoit Serrano fight was a push. Uh, I like how you Davis, said Benoit. Yeah, Benoit, Benoit. I'm, I'm used to, I'm, you know, I come Benoit. from wrestling.
2: Uh, what is it? Is it Benoit or Benoit? Well, they say Benoit. I've always been saying Benoit. Obviously, because you know, uh, of, you know, the wrestling days or whatever. And, and because we're, I am, I'm Canadian and we always, whenever we see anything with an N O I T, we we put the French thing in there. So it's Benoit, but apparently it's Benoit. All right.
0: Yeah. So uh, plenty of upsets on this show, none bigger than Tyron Woodley, not, not just beating Robbie Lawler. He took Robbie Lawler's soul, Joe.
2: I was so waiting for you to say that. And he did, man. (laughs) He just went in there. Uh, it was I, I can't believe Murgliotta actually broke him up the rep against the cage that quickly. That because, you know, for, for, for a moment or so, I thought, to myself, well, maybe that's where Tyron wants to be. Maybe that's what he was waiting for. Because he was sort of stalking Robbie Lawler, getting him to the cage, exploding Robbie through the, the knee to counter it. But then he did get the clinch. He put him up against the cage. You figured Woodley was looking for that takedown. And then, you know, Dan steps in there right away. Not right away, but, you know, fairly quickly separates them. And I thought, oh, does, does Tyron really want to be here again? You know, he worked so hard to get him up against the cage and get the clinch. Lo and behold, he lands that monstrous punch, finishes him off with a TKO. I mean, unbelievable performance here. You know, congratulations to him. Hashtag and new. I mean, unreal.
0: Like, what more can you say? It was the most Tyron Woodley win you could have, knocking out a guy who is known to knock people out. Not, not only that, his mother was in the cage afterwards, which is such a Tyron Woodley thing. Um you know, I was surprised. I can't remember who the fighter was that told his mom to shut up while uh, he was fighting in the cage, and he could hear her screaming. Surprised that wasn't Tyron Woodley, because I could always hear, like, her and Rashad Evans' mom whenever whenever they're fighting. Uh, so that was a really good moment. Tyron Woodley has been out of the cage since January 2015. He was supposed to fight Johnny Hendricks, and Hendricks didn't make weight and was, you know, pulled from the show. So that had Woodley out for a long time. and had Woodley out for a long time in his mid-30s. That can be a very bad thing, as we have seen in the past. This welterweight title, I don't want to say it's been a hot potato because it really hasn't, but it's went from Hendricks to Lawler to Woodley since that just monster reign of GSPs. How, do you think that Woodley's in for a long reign, or is he keeping that thing warm for one
2: Steve and Wonderboy Thompson? Um, I, I don't think he's going to keep it for a long time. just only because of his age. Uh, I mean, this is a sport, you know, you and I talk about it almost on every podcast. In and around 32 uh, is when guys start coming out of their prime. And, and Woodley's, I believe, past that. So uh, I don't see him holding this title for too long. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what's going to happen with, uh, you know, Steven Thompson once that bout is official, uh, how he plans to deal with the speed. Because uh, I, don't, I don't think Woodley can outstrike uh, wonder boy i mean woodley's got power he's got finesse he's got speed but when it comes to, to striking it's it's all wonder boy tops and that guy's been been doing karate and striking since he was three years old uh with his dad ray so i mean these guys have been doing it uh forever um so we'll see what happens there if anything if if woodley can take him off his feet it's a different story altogether but do i do i see tyron woodley going uh on a long run I personally don't only because of his age. Stranger things have happened. People will, people will say Randy Couture right away, but that was a different era of the sport. It was a completely different fighters back then. Um, you know, Couture was ahead of the curve at the time. Uh, things have changed since then. When you get to a certain, it is a young man's sport. Uh, despite Tyron winning tonight, it is a young man's sport.
0: I always looked at Robbie Lawler as, I don't want to say a beatable champion because that, that's sort of disrespectful, but he left himself open for you know people to exploit his weaknesses an awful lot. So I, I don't want to say I was surprised, but still seeing a guy who managed to pull it out no matter what uh, is surprising. How do you think that these wars that Robbie Lawler has been in affected him tonight because Five round war after five round war tonight, he gets put to sleep in a couple of minutes.
2: Well, yeah, you make some really good points there. Uh, I mean, the way everyone's beatable, Sean, we all know that anyone and everyone is beatable, no one goes undefeated forever in this sport. Eventually, something happens. Um, John Jones, I mean, he may be quote unquote undefeated, but you know, he he came close to losing a few times. You can make an argument that Alexander Gustafson fight as one of them. There's always someone that's going to have your number. There's always going to be guys that are going to be able to beat you. Uh, not everyone wakes up perfect on fight night. Um, but you talk about the wars that Robbie Lawler has been through. Those will always take their toll. Now, the fact that he got dropped the way he got dropped tonight wasn't a lame punch. wasn't something like what happened with Rich Franklin and Chuck Liddell, um, where you know Liddell could take could have taken those shots for for ages. But as you get older and as you start getting you know you go through those wars, your, your jaw can't take those punches anymore now I know I said the same thing about Jose Aldo Jr. before he fought Frankie Edgar after Conor McGregor knocked out Jose Aldo doesn't always happen with Gray Mayer another example a guy that, that was going down and taking punishment um, with, with weak shots well he, he's made a comeback so again anything can happen in mixed martial arts but Robbie Lawler has been competing at the elite of this division for a very long time um, but these wars inevitably do take their toll i don't think this was an example sean to be honest with you because that punch that was landed was just monstrous by woodley um if, if we start looking and seeing robbie Lawler, uh you know start getting wobbly leg from jabs and and you know weird sort of connections you know maybe i'll start saying okay it's almost time to, to, to hang him up but right now he got hit with a with a rock solid punch
0: apparently after this fight uh Wonderboy has said told uh Woodley, that he knows that he has his number, also knows that Woodley is going to try to call out Nick Diaz. you got to draw the line somewhere with this Nick Diaz stuff. The guy has not won a fight in five years. You you cannot give him a title shot. There is no way that can happen. A fight with Robbie Lawler? Sure, I'd be cool with a a second Nick Diaz-Robbie Lawler fight. Where do you draw the line with the Nick Diaz stuff,
2: Joe? Um, if, oh God, people are going to freak out right now. If I'm the UFC and Tyron Woodley wants Nick Diaz. Oh. Okay. <laughs> it's the money fight, oh. man. It's it, Anytime it you is. put Nick Diaz in a cage, it's going to be money. But to be honest with you, I would much rather see Stephen Thompson versus Tyron Woodley. And yes, the Robbie Lawler versus uh, Nick Diaz fight would be absolutely fantastic. But... Um, you know, again, you and I were talking about well, this a couple shows ago. It's the new leadership, the new ownership of the UFC right now. What goes through their minds right now? They're not Zufa. Uh, Zufa would have probably made that decision. But who knows what the, the new brats at the UFC, the new ownership of the UFC, are thinking right now. I mean, are they looking at money fights as well? Or are they looking at, you know, fights that fans want to see or fights that, um, you know, make sense for the sport, right? Now imagine if that Nick diaz Tyron Woodley fight happened and Nick Diaz becomes a champ.
0: Now here's my thing. I don't know that they can make any more money off of a Woodley Diaz fight than they could a Lawler Diaz fight. It, namely or especially if they put Woodley Thompson above that and then you know if something were to happen to one of those two guys and you could especially Thompson you slide Nick Diaz up there, you know, I th- I think that would be a much more uh widely accepted way of getting that fight to happen, but I don't see anything wrong with that, but Man giving him that title shot over uh, Thompson when many people thought that Woodley shouldn't have gotten the title shot over Thompson to begin with. I'm going to leave a bad taste in my mouth. Um, so Rose Namajunas, another favored fighter on this show, dropped a decision to Carolina Kavolkevich. We will hereby, from now on, refer to her only as Carolina. It's much simpler. I thought this was a really good fight. I thought Carolina made some important adjustments after that first round. I hate the idea of throwing leg kicks uh, without setting them up anyway because Rose Nomiunas was countering them repeatedly in the first round. Carolina and her corner noticed this, stopped doing it, and then found the clinch. And in that clinch, they found a home for knee after knee after knee. This really took a toll on Rose ended up paying dividends for Carolina as it just emptied the gas tank of Rose Namajunas. Uh, closer second round than, than many would, would say, but Carolina took it. And it looks like we will have a Polish UFC strawweight championship fight, Joe. And I, in my opinion, this, this fight, the winner of this fight was the difference of a strawweight title fight headlining a Fox show or a Fight Pass show. What did you think of the fight? What do you think of the prospects of Carolina versus
2: Uh, uh Everything that went on here tonight. Um, well, first things first, I, I challenge anyone watching the show right now, including yourself, if you do get a chance, go back and watch that fight and tell me uh, if you see something wrong with, with you know, Nami Yunus and the way she was performing. It seemed as if she lacked all kinds of power. Like, there was nothing there. There was, no, there was something wrong. There was no explosive, explosiveness there. Like zero. it seemed like everything she was hitting was very, very weak uh, as opposed to even just looking at some of the, the, the build up to the show, some of the, the, the footage that UFC was showing uh, with some of the shows. you saw power there you saw some explosiveness. she gets into the cage, uh, fights Carolina and, and it's like, where's this power? There's nothing there. It's just there's something wrong here so I don't know if she was injured or whatnot, but it just seemed like she had no power whatsoever in this fight here. Um, in terms of Karolina, the way she was competing with her hands down, boy, you do that to Johanna, you're you're, you're going to sleep. Hate to break it to you. It's not rocket science, but uh, I, I like this all-Polish uh, main event. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be uh, a good scrap. I just can't see, I mean, uh, you Kovokiewicz's know, her, her skill set better sort of skyrocket a bit more, although I'd like to see her grab a hold of Jacek uh, with that clinch and you know, throw some of those knees and see what would happen uh, with Johanna because that'd be kind of cool, but can' can't, can't have your hands down with Johanna. You're going to get picked apart. Your jaw's going to get busted up. Uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised at the performance. Um, I actually scored a 30-27 uh, for Carolina. So um, I, I people can argue all they want. I don't know where uh, Rose won two rounds. But, uh, you know, you could make the argument. I don't see it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I like this all-Polish strawweight main event. I think it's going to be fun. And um, we'll see how the UFC promotes it, despite the fact that, you know, they always want to have some sort of North American or, or Latina in there, but it is what it is, and I'm looking forward to see it going down.
0: I had Rose winning the first round, not the second round. Um, also, that Carolina-Joanna uh, fight is interesting because the last person to defeat Carolina was Joanna in an amateur fight years ago. So I know that's a fight that Carolina, once again, one thing I didn't touch on, Joe, about the Woodley fight how much do you think that training with undefeated UFC
2: star CM Punk played into his victory? Absolutely huge. That was that was the deciding factor. That was the intangible at uh, I can't do this. I can't. Do it. You know, CM Punk's pro wrestling finish was called the Go To Sleep.
0: So I think he took some of that advice and and made it work. <laughs> we are just over a month away from the UFC debut of CM Punk. You better believe we're going to be talking about this. Um, speaking of CM Punk, speaking of Rose Namajunas, uh, speaking of several UFC fighters, they are users of Onnit, and you will not pop a drug test when you take Onnit. I took my alpha brain tonight. As I uh, prepared for the, the evening's event, I had to live tweet. I had to write stories. I had to, to run the, the live page, the, the live UFC 201 page. I had to set up the podcast had to start the podcast all that good stuff alpha brain helps me do it guys go to our podcast page as always we prefer you watch it watch our podcasts on fightful.com under our podcast section that helps us a lot click that on it link and open up just a world of sales my friends we had a probably probably in my opinion the biggest upset of the night i think by the betting lines as well joe Jake Ellenberger, who had lost five of his last six, and he, he just dominated from, from the get-go. He came out, he dropped uh, Matt Brown. He saved his UFC career with this victory over Matt Brown. And one important thing, those body kicks continue to be a major weakness of Matt Brown.
2: Absolutely. And, and I was actually talking to a friend of mine. And I said, if you're ever going to beat Matt Brown, it's got to be body kicks. It's got to be kicks to the body because it's something that he's susceptible to. Now, there have been many guys who have landed him uh, and it really hasn't affected him, but, you know, it's like anything. You land a good one, uh, he's going to go down. But the weird thing about that fight there, it was almost as if he was taking, um, he couldn't get from Bruce Buffer's introduction to the referee stepping out of the way right up to to fifth gear. He was sort of just coming out there feeling it out. And, I mean, if you go back and you isolate the way Jake landed that first punch, the first hard punch. I don't think Matt Brown will ever leave that left hand down again because he had it down, and that thing just came over the top. Um, It's 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 not even a rookie mistake; it's just a mental mistake right now for Matt Brown because that guy there can can go to war with anyone. So immediately, this is an old thing that that was taught to me way back when, um, even when I was just before mixed martial arts, when I was boxing early in fights if you can land that one big shot, even if you don't knock him out, the dude's gas tank um, is going to go from full to quarter tank real quick, and then you still got a whole fight. So the fact that he landed that punch, I thought if Ellen, Ellenberger, even if Ellenberger can slow it down a little bit, he's going to win this fight if he can just continue to do it. Just don't let Matt Brown back into the fight. And he didn't. Because uh, he, he, you know, Ellenberger wasn't looking too good. He was he was looking pretty bad. And then whammo, he lands that kick to the body, and you know, it was a good night from there.
0: I think Jake Ellenberger was like what one in three at or one in four maybe at uh, Glendale. Maybe one in three, one in four. <laughs> Just saying. Just no, I'm not, I'm not. going to pretend that some. I'm not going to pretend that some of the people that have left Glendale have done too hot. Uh, some of my friends included, but yeesh. Um. Matt Brown also lost three of four. I guess you could say there is a Brown skid in the UFC, Joe.
2: You, you did not no, you did not just say that. I'm, I'm a bit
0: of a fan of Matt Brown. I'm, I'm kind of a <laughs> I'm kind of a Cincinnati guy, and I have to say that the I don't know. Are, how familiar are you with baseball?
2: Fairly familiar. My Jays rule. Go ahead.
0: Next. So. I was there the weekend that, that Matt Brown defeated Eric Silva and that was one of the coolest moments I've ever seen in sports live. And the next day I got to see Aroldus Chapman return after uh, months off after he took that line drive to the face, had surgery. Now, I mean, I know it was a contained contained area, but the crowd was louder during the Matt Brown situation. That was just one of the most unbelievable things I've seen in live sports and that was just a cool weekend altogether, but uh Soft spot after, after getting to see that. Um, on a night off, I wasn't covering it because I would never root for somebody while covering an event, you guys. I would never do that. We had a couple other fights on this, uh, this main card, which we will talk about. But let's, let's get into the real story of UFC 201. Nikita Krylov. <laughs> I think he watched our show. Now, now let me. I want to preface this by saying that I've been trashing him all week because he tapped out to a von Flu choke. And one of my one of my catch wrestling coaches was telling me on Facebook today. You know, it's a legit technique. I know it's a legit technique, but and he hadn't seen this fight. I was like, but you know, you can't hold on to a guillotine choke when a guy is inside control. I looked again, Joe. He held it for forty seconds. In that OSP fight. Unbelievable. Not only that. Our boy Benoit did that several times tonight on the main card. But we'll get to that shortly. Nikita Krylov has never looked better in the UFC. Even in his quick victories, I think. Than he did tonight. The pace in which he carried was something that you don't often see. Even at the high levels of 205 pounds. Now granted. He was facing maybe the slowest fighter in the UFC, heavyweight division included. But nevertheless, even though he faced basically a moving heavy bag, I was still very impressed with his
2: performance, Joe. Did you just call Ed Herman a moving heavy bag? I did. All right. Well, it's it's based on on you know Ed Herman's performance tonight uh, and the fact that. You know, what was it a minute 30? He was already pretty much gassed and, and I think three minutes in. I mean, he was already looking up at the clock and it's just the first round. It doesn't bode very well for, for anybody in the UFC. Uh, Krylov looked good. Okay. He didn't look all these people that are, are, are you know, singing his praises and say, look, he, he's he's, no, he's not fighting Daniel Cormier anytime soon. Um, he's getting better. He's young. Uh, he, I, I did like pretty his sure, striking. I yeah. did like his angles. Uh, they were impressive. He was he was kind of getting out of dodge every so often, but he was still getting hit uh, by Ed Herman. Uh, as he moves up this division, he's going to get hit a lot more if he doesn't improve some of the footwork and, of course, improve some of the head movement. But the fact of the matter is he did emerge victorious. And I'm not going to lie to you, Sean. This guy's awesome. Like I mean, Karloff's hilarious. He's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's, he's putting in the work, and he's only going to get better, providing he doesn't take uh, any sort of um, – crazy abuse in the octagon. I think he's going to have a little bit of a run here. I mean, it's it's a killer division. Don't get me wrong, but good for him, man. What's that, five straight in a row?
0: Yeah, can you imagine? (laughs) What if I would have told you that Nikita Krylov, who submitted to a Von Flu choke, would win five in a row? Um, We need to stop this charade, and he needs to be fighting top 15 guys. He needed to be tonight. There's no reason that a guy who had won four straight, fights in that division should not have been fighting a Patrick Cummins, a John Vellante, an Eler Latifi, even even just outside the top fifteen, a Tom Lawler, uh Corey Anderson, anybody. If you want to give him a bigger name than, you know, Little Nog, sure, why not? Um, I, I look at maybe maybe Rashad Evans as a as a win win because either you're gonna get a win for Rashad Evans off of a guy who's won five in a row, or you're gonna get a big win for Nikita Krylov. He needs to he needs to fight tougher competition. And I'm not saying that Ed Herman isn't tough, despite my, my heavy bag joke. He's I think he had won three of his last five, and you know, he beat Tim Boach, which you know, anybody that finishes Tim Boach has gotta have something to him. Um But Krylov has to. Take a step up in competition, especially being ranked number 11. He'll probably be ranked like number 10 after the rankings are released. I wonder what would have happened if that were, say, Jimmy Manoa throwing some of those punches that would have landed on Ed Herman. You have to wonder how that would have been after that. Uh, you got to wonder how it would be if Patrick Cummins was in there and how Krylov would have responded to a takedown. Still a lot of question marks about Nikita Krylov. Now, Joe, we were supposed to see Ian McCall versus Justin Scoggins tonight. Justin Scoggins, and this was very unusual. There had to have been a little more to it because about 14 hours out from the weight cut deadline, and he's six and a half pounds over, he withdraws from the fight. Not only that, I had heard rumblings of this about an hour or two before this was announced. So really about 14 hours before that weight cut deadline and six pounds away, He's pulling out of the fight did this surprise you and have you happened to have heard anything and your
2: opinion on the, this matter as a whole um, I, I didn't hear much leading up to that uh, and six or seven pounds uh, I've seen guys drop crazy weight uh, before uh, but that is a bit of a concern um, what, what was more concerning than anything uh, is when he came out publicly and he stated that you know he was, he was trying to cut the rest of the weight but you know he's going for a jog. Uh, He said he was going for like a a five-mile or an eight-mile jog, and he wasn't sweating. His body wasn't releasing any more fluid. Uh, Nothing was happening. And that's when he realized this is not good. Nothing is looking good right now. So that I could understand. But um, the professional mixed martial artist in 2016 generally has eight to 12 weeks to make weight. Shouldn't be having these issues. That's just my opinion.
0: I thought it was in poor taste of him to just – Simply tweet out weight, Not a sorry fans. Not a sorry Ian. Not a sorry paying ticket holder. This, you know, this wasn't the headline fight. This was a fight we were both very much looking forward to. I feel particularly bad for one Ian McCall, who has waited about a year and a half, maybe two years, to fight. Has contemplated retirement. Not only that, Ian McCall had to watch two other flyweight fights tonight. Two other short notice flyweight fights tonight. At that. I feel bad for the guy. Um, I thought that was that was extremely unprofessional. And Justin Scoggins is getting a bit of a reputation as a daddy's boy. I don't know if you've noticed that, but you know his father is very involved in his career. His father is making statements for him instead of Scoggins making the statements himself. A guy with a lot of talent. And I will say this: you know, a weight cut is bad when you are really excited about jumping up to a division with T.J. Dillashaw, Uriah Faber, Sun Sal, Caraway, Lineker, Dodson, people like that. So I would imagine it has been a real problem for him. And as he gets older, he's probably not getting any smaller, Joe.
2: No chance. No, I mean, um, he's not that old. But, yeah, as, as his body continues to grow, it's, it's just do it now. He's going to go to Bantamweight. Uh, it is what it is. And I think he could – he could take out probably some of the guys, uh, you know. I think he could be top fifteen uh, within a fight or two at bantamweight. That, that that wouldn't surprise me at all. He might be able to crack that top ten within three fights. So it all depends on what he's given. But yeah, if you can't make that way to one twenty five anymore, um, you know, we saw it with John Lineker. Enough's enough. Just get out, get out, and go to one thirty five. So it's better Scoggins figured it out now. Really sucks for Ian McCall, like you said. Uh, not cool at all, but. Kind of happy that the UC did give um, McCall his, uh, you know, his his show and his win money. So kind of cool for him. But it doesn't. I know money is great for for most people, but you still have all that aggression that you have built up for twelve weeks that you want to unleash on somebody that you can't do right now.
0: And you know, Ian McCall, he was probably gonna gun for that fifty k too, and that's 100%. something that he doesn't have an opportunity to do as well. Um, I would like to see Scoggins against Almeida at Bantamweight. I think that would be a barn burner. Uh, Guys, if you all haven't checked out Fightful.com, please do it. We revamped a lot of things on Friday, Uh, some visual things. I have some site news up there. We're going to be bringing you the members-only section soon. Forums are coming soon as well for members-only. I know some of you have had some trouble uh, registering and getting logged in and things like that. Our tech team will take care of that this week, I promise you. Also, we have discuss forums, discus forums. I've been told there are different ways to pronounce it. Don't care. Either way, for UFC pay per views, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, uh, TNA, WWE pay per views, anything, you can join in live, share your thoughts. I know that is a very popular discussion board to use. So we wanted to bring that to you all, make it more user friendly. So come hang out on the site, talk a bunch of trash. Talk trash about Joe all you want. I mean, he he doesn't have the power to delete those comments. I do. He does not. So I might leave them up there for you. Tell him that you think it's ridiculous that he scored all three rounds for Carolina. I mean, it's, it's what you can do. Also, like I said, during Raw, SmackDown, all that stuff. Just join in, hang out there all night, party with us. Um, definitely... Check out Fightful.com and share the page, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. You know what? You should probably go to your high school reunion if you graduated high school, which I assume all of you did, and just kick the DJ out. Hook your laptop up, put the Fightful.com podcast on, and you will be the most popular person at that reunion. You may not have been the most popular person in high school, but you will become the most popular person at your reunion if you play the Fightful.com podcast to these people. Does that sound like a winner to you, Joe?
2: (laughs) Absolutely. I fully endorse that. And for anyone that wants to take shots at me uh, at the so-called Discus Forum, uh, yeah, by all means, discuss away, rip apart. I'm bald. I've got thick eyebrows. I've got (laughs) a Canadian accent. Some say I've got an Italian accent. Some people say I've got whatever accent. This I'm short. I'm 5'7. Rip me I'm, apart. Doesn't matter. But I'm just waiting for somebody
0: site. to make the Terrence and Phillip caricature of you from South Park. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, absolutely. Of course. Good or done. I'm not your guy, buddy. I'm not your buddy, <laughs> guy. One of those. Um, speaking of Ian McCall, Wilson Hayes fought what I think is probably the smallest person in UFC history in Hector Sandoval. I may include women in that as well, some of the female 115s. He he did exactly what he was supposed to do to this poor donk and uh, submitted him in a minute and a half and then mentioned afterwards, hey, maybe I'll fight Ian McCall. We mentioned he's got some work to do to get a title shot after Mighty Mouse had to pull out. That sounds like a natural matchup, right, McCall and Wilson Hayes?
2: I'd love to see that fight. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I I think it'd be good, but... I was just, um, I don't know what you heard. I'm just kind of trying to do some math here. Um, so the Wilson Hayes, uh, Demetrius Johnson fight was announced. Then the Ultimate Fighter show was announced with the winner of the show taking on Demetrius Johnson.
0: Yes, and, and that Johnson will be in December.
2: Injured. Yes. And, oh. Nope, no coincidence there that he got injured? Because what if he fought Heist tonight and loses? We'll see. Wilson Hayes has said
0: uh, that Demetrius Johnson is running from him.
2: I'm not saying nothing. I'm not throwing a conspiracy out there. I just sat back and went, wait a second. They were supposed to fight tonight. And if Johnson lost the fight, how would they promote the ultimate fighter?
0: Well, I'm sure that. I mean, I'm sure they could still do Wilson Hayes versus. Not only could they do Wilson Hayes versus the winner of Tough. The winner of Tough might beat Wilson Hayes.
2: And I agree. And I agree. I'm just saying it just it's it wouldn't have made much sense. I don't know how successful that would have really been. be honest with you
0: if that were to happen just saying you could and and that ultimate fighter winner were to have won then you you know you have actual fights that maybe interest people with Mighty Mouse Johnson I'm interested in every fight with Mighty Mouse Johnson he could fight a plastic bag and I'm interested in that fight but you know maybe some people that weren't they could say well he's getting his title back well now he's going to avenge his loss to Hayes it's just hard for me to think that Demetrius Johnson would you know, not want to fight anybody, especially in that division, which he rules with an iron fist.
2: I can also, I, he's, he's the best fighter out there. No, ifs, ands, or buts. I don't care what anyone says. They can yell Jose Aldo all they want. They can yell John Jones all they want. No. Nah. Mighty Nose is pound for pound the best.
0: Eric Perez beat Francisco Rivera. Not a lot to talk about here, except for Rivera's probably done in the UFC at this point. Um, Lost a lot of fights, uh, four of his last five. But he, he acted like a guy who was trying to save his UFC career in that, that, that third round. Threw a punch so hard that he fell down. Um,
2: that was the most epic 40 seconds of a third round I've ever seen in my career. That was unbelievable. And when he threw that last punch only to fall basically face first to the mat, I almost got off my couch and gave him a, standing, a solo standing ovation. It was awesome.
0: So good for him. Uh, I, I would imagine that he will be cut, but, you know, that, that's, it's a decent win for Eric Perez, a guy who was a few years ago, you know, highly ranked. They wanted to get Eric Perez a, an experienced opponent. Sure, he's won a couple in a row now. Maybe he can fulfill that, that potential that the UFC hoped that he would, maybe a little earlier. But he's, he's still 26 years old, so he's approaching that prime. Flyweight fight Ryan Benoit against Freddie Serrano. Freddie Serrano, uh, you know, he came into the game late, real late. He's he's an Olympic medalist, uh, or no, it wasn't Olympic medalist. I think he's a Pan American medalist, uh, but he competed in the Olympics. And it, it was so weird to me. Joe Rogan was like, "I've never seen this before. I've never seen low single. It's a low single. It's I mean, it's it's not that." crazy to see somebody shoot a low single when they come from a wrestling background now uh also not that unusual to see ryan benoit hitting somebody after the after the bell or after he's not supposed to be joe this is the second or third time
2: he's done this well um when i see stuff like that it kind of drives me nuts i understand if you're in motion and the bell rings but when the bell rings um, again, it's it's totally different if you're in there, but we've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fighters not do it. When you see one of them do it on numerous occasions, there's a bit of a problem there, and I think something should be done about it. To be honest with you, because that's not cool. Now, I also was when I, when when Freddie pushed him back or pushed him from behind, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa that 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 that's going to get you kicked out of the UFC. But you better stop that kind of stuff. But uh, I could understand, you know, at the time that, you know, you're, you're frustrated, but you got to keep your emotions in check, man. That, that's your career right there. Dana, Dana White doesn't take too fondly to stuff like that in general, not to do the commissions. Um, but this is something that definitely that they would need to look at. And if, if I had a fighter that's fighting uh, Ryan Bonoit next, I'm, I'm bringing it up to the commission right away. Like, this, this is a guy that, you know, quote, unquote, is dirty, right? So you got to watch out. But, I mean, the fight itself – um it was pretty cool. It was kind of like you had your, your your little moments of excitement and then you're kind of like what is this guy doing? What is Serrano doing? He, he's striking him with he, he's he's hitting him with his hip and then he's yeah. hitting, he's doing front rolls and I'm like okay what's he doing? Um in terms of some of the commentary um you guys have a this is I'll kind of bring this around for you. You guys have the uh, hotels.com commercials down there with Captain Obvious.
0: I think we used to. I don't know if we still do. Maybe okay, we still so, do.
2: So so obviously hotels.com is, is, is a pretty big thing up here and Captain Obvious is is revered in my parts. I actually went to school with the guy that plays Captain Obvious. So it's wow. something up yeah, it's it's kind of cool. He's uh about two or three years younger than me, good guy. Um it's something that we, we Canadians up here, at least in my parts, we use all the time. When someone says something to you that is just, you just, okay, thanks, Captain Obvious. Like, that, that's your, your injection to this conversation. There are times when I watch, uh, and I'm shooting myself in the foot right now by saying this, because I do play-by-play and, and commentary as well, that I hear some stuff sometimes, and I'm like, did you just really say that, Captain Obvious? Like, we just saw it in front of our eyes. You don't have to tell us again. Like to say, I'm not going to name names, but obviously I'm down to two people. But when someone has a good clinch and they have the plum and they land monstrous knees to then say their clinch is very good, their Muay Thai is very good, that's obvious. We just saw that. So there was stuff that was happening in this fight and other fights, Sean, where I was hearing some stuff and I was just like, oh, my God, is there another feed? that I could listen to because why would you be saying stuff like that?
0: I think Frank Mir is starting to do those fight companions, much like Joe Rogan does. And you know, the thing is it's funny. I cover so much wrestling and MMA and boxing that when I have a rare free time, I've been pulling 70 hour weeks here at Fightful lately, but I want to watch anything but that. And sometimes it's actually Joe Rogan's podcast because very little to do with MMA and pro wrestling, but, and you maybe it's me coming from the wrestling background, when I'm like, no, it's not that unusual. It's not that weird. But uh, I don't know. I, I hear it a lot. It's pretty bad from Goldberg, too, some of the things that he'll say. And to, to Rogan's credit, he'll be like, no, that's kind of ridiculous. So at least there's that. Um, I'm hoping, really, really hoping, that after his career is done, Daniel Cormier gets a spot in that color commentator chair. Because his uh, commentary during the Jones OSP fight at UFC 197 I thought was unbelievable. I thought it was great. Uh, Really good stuff. Also really good stuff, Anthony Hamilton and Damian Grabowski had about as long of a fight as I wanted them to have. 14 seconds. (laughs) They just threw down, started slugging. Grabowski went to sleep first. It, now Joe isn't it scary isn't it scary that a guy who is 500 in the UFC can do this to another guy that sh- that says something about the UFC heavyweight division and its unpredictability
2: No, you're absolutely correct you're you're 100% correct but y- y- you you got to give Anthony Hamilton just a tiny bit of credit for you know moving his head a few times <laughs> and actually <laughs> dipping underneath and then throwing the right I mean he he did look okay but uh, these aren't, either one of these two guys aren't going to be doing anything in this division anytime soon. But um, if you've ever read the book um, Fightnomics with, with Reed Kuhn, you understand that the power generated by heavyweights versus the power generated by flyweights uh, and vice versa going up and down and in between these divisions, you understand why this division is just so, um, you know, power meets force sort of thing and, and power pushes force. and. These guys, when they, they land, it's ugly. But, I'm, you know, for the 14 seconds, there was a lot that was there for Anthony Hamilton that looked really, really good. So good on him. But, um, yeah, I am, I am glad that this this thing went down in, in, in 14 seconds. I mean, it was so funny because there are times I was going to text you in the middle of the show uh, or the middle of the prelims and on the, on the pay-per-view card. But I said, ah, just I'll, I'll leave Sean alone until after the show. There are times when I'm away doing some stuff and I've got to race home to catch up and watch the fights before the podcast. And if there was ever an event that would have been okay to miss and come (laughs) home with only two and a half hours left before you and I go on the air, this would have been the show because there were so many quick stoppages. But no, Sean, it's those shows that have every single fight go the distance.
0: Yes. Without fail. Without fail. That's always how it is. Um, (laughs) Also, Jorge Masvidal versus Ross Pearson. I love that they did this fight at 170. Two guys who have competed at 155. Now, it's kind of funny because Jorge Masvidal is just, just a G. He really is. He's one of those guys who, not like a big superstar or anything, but one of those guys I feel fortunate to have seen live fight. He has fought... Rafael Asunsao, who is a 135-pounder, and fought Lorenz Larkin, who used to fight at 185 pounds, to just show you where he's been. I thought this was a good fight uh for Masvidal. and he says, you know, he's had over 50 fights, because plenty of those fights are not documented. Many of them were not legal at all.
2: <laughs> <Not> exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, so this guy uh in I'll say this. I, I, looked over his, uh, I looked over his record. There's something I noticed. Okay, we go back to Gil Melendez in 2011. Mazadal beat Wilcox. He beat Means. He beat Kiesa. He lost to uh, Kavilov, and a lot of people thought that he won that fight, even though it was a unanimous decision loss. Uh, he beat Healy. He beat Cruikshank. He beat Kraus. Split decision loss to Iaquinta beat Ferrara, lost to Henderson. A lot of people had that for, for Masvidal lost to uh, Larkin via split decision. You could make arguments that this guy hasn't lost a fight in a long time. If you had just a couple of different people in the the judges booth. And that's, that's very underrated. I think that he can hang with, you know, almost anybody in the UFC to an extent uh, in those two weight divisions. He could at least, give them a fight, it's never going to be an easy out when you have Jorge Masvidal. Well,
2: the one thing that I, and I think you're bang on with that assessment, going up and down his record like that, because it is true. I mean, if you take a look at his record and really analyze it the way you did, yeah, this, this guy's a bad dude, man. He's got skills. But the one thing that really impressed me in this fight, um, and again, I challenge you and the viewers, if you go back and, and tell me if I'm wrong, look at the way he was, he was almost pawing off and just kind of like, whatever, dude, to Ross Pearson. Like, I am so much better than you. Uh, I'm going to fight to your level. And whenever I decide to pick up the pace, I'm going to jab your mouthpiece down your throat. And he just kept doing it over and over and over again. And he just, you know, oh, you hit me. Okay, cool. All right. that Good for you. Good for you. Good, uh, good boy. And then he would just go back in there and punish him. Go back in there and punish him. And I think the way he was competing in this fight, he was just absolutely oozing confidence. Um, but And Ross Pearson did have a good performance. Don't get me wrong. But it just looked like Masvidal was not toying with him. It's a, you know obviously above toying with him. But to the point where it's like, look, I'm better than you. And we're going to do this my way. And I'll decide where this fight's going to go, how it's going to go, where it's going to go, um, and, and everything from there. I think he looked really, really good tonight. I was very impressed with the performance. And that jab was pinpoint, man. He was just landing it. And it was just looking beautiful in that fight. And, and kudos to Ross Pearson, though, because he took an ass-whooping at one point in that fight, and was still able to get up and continue fighting. And that guy, that dude's got heart, uh, and man, he's just got, uh, who used to say, was it uh, Gorilla Monsoon, testicular fortitude? Who used to say that? Yes,
0: uh, lots of people did, but uh, oh, no, that was, Gorilla um, Monsoon
2: did. Foley, wasn't it McFoley? Foley?
0: Mick Foley, that. yeah. Um, I think that uh, Gorilla Monsoon said intestinal fortitude, and Mick Foley said testicular fortitude. There you go. <laughs> Ross Pearson has both. <laughs> also, Okay, now there's one thing I want to talk to you about about this fight. Between rounds two and three, Ross Pearson not only went to the wrong corner, but held his hands up as a sign of victory. Not only was he not winning, it, the fight was not over. Do you think something, somebody should have stepped in at this point and said, or maybe, maybe a doctor, maybe a ref, and said, what round is it? How many fingers am I holding up? Where are you right now? Those sorts of things.
2: One hundred percent, no ifs, ands, or buts, and people can can say whatever they want. But this is a this is a human being, uh, who's uh, you know, who wasn't really there, uh, and it shouldn't have been checked out. And what's the worst that could happen? He passes. He continues fighting. If 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 he doesn't pass, then you know what? You saved potentially someone uh, from from getting in a lot of trouble, despite something not no trouble really happening afterwards. But obviously, at the end of the round, he puts his hands up, goes to his wrong corner, puts his hands up no idea what's going on, he shouldn't be taking any more punishment.
0: I agree. Uh, now, I wanted to to uh, ask you about a couple of other things. I don't know how you, familiar you are with this World Series of Fighting situation that went on tonight, this brother-versus-brother brother fight. Did
2: you see that? No, I didn't, unfortunately. Uh, oh, I mean, I, there was some brother-versus-brother brother stuff up here one time with the MFC, and I didn't even watch that. I just thought – No, I mean,
0: no. You got to see this promo from Phoenix Jones, Ben Fedor, who fought his brother, Carlos Fedor, lost badly to 30-26s across the board. It felt like such a disgusting promotional tactic. Now, granted, I've seen things on the amateur level that were pretty disgusting. I saw two twin brothers that were 400 pounds fight one another. I saw two 300-pound women fight at a hot dog stand. I kid you not, the venue was called Dale's Hot Dog Stand and you had two 300-pound women fighting, which is just the peak of amateur MMA. Phoenix Jones, who, you know, is a, a little famous for other reasons, did this like promo before and you could tell he did not want like he didn't want this. I thought that was disgusting. But on to brighter things, Marla Marias <laughs> defeated Josh Hill uh, I think that might be Marias' last fight on his contract. That'd be quite the acquisition for UFC, Joe.
2: Yeah, I think it'd be good. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see. And, and I can't see, um, I mean, if you're given the option to sign the dotted line, whether it's World Series of Fighting uh, or the UFC, you know, you're going to sign with the UFC in my opinion. But won't be surprised if Bellator all of a sudden turns the corner and says, wait, hold on a second. Hold on, hold on. What do we got here? So, I mean, because Bellator's got money. Don't kid yourself. Uh, sure. they've got coins, so we'll see what happens there. But, um, you know, there, there is a bit of a relationship with the UFC and, and, uh, World Series of Fighting. So we'll see what happens.
0: Also, one more thing I wanted to ask you. We had the Invicta FC event this past Friday. Um, uh, Cyborg, all too happy to call out Megan Anderson. Is that a fight that you want to see?
2: No, not at all.
0: Me either. <laughs> I want to see Chris Cyborg fighting at 140, I'd take her against Tanya Avenger at this point. That's probably the best Invicta has to offer at this point. Um, Cyborg thing is weird. I know a lot of people think I don't like Cyborg. It's not that I don't like Cyborg. I don't like whoever handles Cyborg and gives her career advice and tells her to say some of these things. Like, one, she was speculating that Ronda Rousey was pregnant the other night. Super weird. Probably not her territory to do that. Um... She she tried to fight a, a woman. She's trying to fight a woman who had her first pro fight two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago.
2: Yeah. That math uh, just doesn't work in my head. You know what I'm saying? It's just, no. Just cut the 140. Try just and get that five pounds off. Something. Come on. There are plenty. Jermaine Durand to me wants that fight.
0: I'm pretty sure, like I said... Tanya Avenger will take that fight. Tanya Avenger would fight an army of like Bowsers from Super Mario Brothers. She really doesn't care. Uh, just do that. If you want to fight an Invicta, Avenger will probably go up to 145. I doubt she really gives that much of a shit either. Um, Joe, I want to thank you so much. Tell the people where they can follow you on Twitter.
2: Follow me anywhere on social media, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Very simple, at Showdown Joe uh love to hear from you you can make fun of me you can we can discuss we can debate follow me we'll have a good time
0: joe thank you so much i'm gonna boot you off and talk some pro wrestling always a pleasure my brother take care so we got the fallout of the wwe draft this past week first raw first smackdown in my opinion raw was the better show uh i think they could have handled using some more entertainment on the show but as Vince Russo pointed out and I think correctly maybe the three hour show is going to be the show that caters to more of a hardcore audience more of an audience that is willing to sit around for three hours willing to watch more in-ring wrestling meanwhile the show on Tuesdays will have guys like John Cena Randy Orton, a couple familiar names, Dean Ambrose, some guys who can entertain, and the show is a little more easy to digest. I think that's something that that can be looked forward to as well. I thought Raw was the better show. I really did. SmackDown needs a little bit of help, but I didn't think that either show was bad. I definitely didn't think SmackDown was bad. So there is that. Guys, as always, not as always, starting now, Come to Fightful.com Monday nights, Tuesday nights. Join in on our uh, Fightful discussion boards uh, at the bottom of the SmackDown and Raw Live pages. As I've mentioned, you can get recaps anywhere, but you can only get Alex Palowski's recaps on Fightful.com, and he makes them very, very fun. Share the page with people. Let people know. Also, if you're watching this video on YouTube, give it a thumbs up. Subscribe to our YouTube, and make sure to visit Fightful.com. And... Uh, Check them out regularly. Also, somebody says uh, follow Shake Them Ropes on Twitter. Yeah, I have Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins of Shake Them Ropes on my Monday and Tuesday post-Raw and SmackDown live podcasts. Uh, For those of you not familiar with our podcast schedule, Monday after Raw, I'm with Rob of Shake Them Ropes. Tuesday after SmackDown with Jeff Hawkins of Shake Them Ropes. Usually Wednesday nights, I am here with Showdown Joe talking MMA, and I also talk pro wrestling. Thursday afternoons usually I am with Vince Russo talking anything this past week we talked about Finn Balor and his his issues with wrestling and realism I thought I made some pretty good points Vince Russo thanked me about schooling for schooling him on the realism of big fighters little fighters yada 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 Also after every WWE pay-per-view we are here Don't know if it'll be a solid guest each time. Maybe I'll bring back a train each time where we're still figuring it out. We've we've got a couple people in mind. Also after every UFC show, generally there will be some like uh, next Sunday I'll be here instead of next Saturday night. I will be out of town on the 27th. I'll be out of town the third and fourth of September. I'm getting married that weekend. So no podcast for me. Maybe on Monday we'll do one. But uh, yeah, that's our podcasting schedule. Looking down at some of the the pro wrestling news, looks like Roderick Strong's done with PWG and finishing up his indie dates. He had his farewell at PWG 13 uh, the other night. Looks like he could be bound for TNA or WWE. So more likely WWE than TNA if he is bidding farewell to PWG because TNA wrestlers can still work there. Also, Sasha Banks versus Charlotte added to SummerSlam. It's an interesting card. Don't know what I think about it, but interesting card. Um, Becky Lynch wants equal opportunity. I, you know, I, she doesn't know what they're going to do with the, the the women's title belt yet, and no, I don't either. They gotta really work on something there with that because it just the women's division on SmackDown is going to seem very inconsequential unless they do something, and they they really need to, in my opinion something important has to happen. Matt Hardy is Matt Hardy. He continues to be the coolest thing in wrestling right now. I want to talk about these impact ratings. So, impact ratings came out. You know, they're not a million. They're not where they used to be. 350000 and up has been the trend since moving to Thursdays. It's good for them. Before the final deletion, TNA cracked 350,000 viewers one time before the final deletion on Tuesdays. So they've they've cracked it twice since the move. Now, they're going to take a big hit with Monday Night Football, but they probably took a pretty good hit against the Republican and Democratic National Convention as well. So interested to see where the numbers are that week. It it looks like the final deletion had a long-lasting impact on impact's numbers. So good for them. And I heard they're gonna do a follow-up called the Final Liquidation. Good for TNA. I think they have a lot of interesting pieces between EC3, who is the subject of our first ever Wikipedia, true or false, which is on our YouTube, and our exclusive section. There, you know, they have Eli Drake, who I really like. I like, you know, Shane Helms and Trevor Lee and Andrew Everett. I enjoyed them. Glad to see Moose in TNA. I think Mike Bennett's getting a lot better. Also, Bobby Lashley has never been better. So good for them. Uh, The move to Thursdays paid off thus far. The final deletion paid off. Pat Patterson says Vince McMahon hated the idea of Royal Rumble and Iron Man matches in a recent interview. This is all up on Fightful.com under our wrestling section, of course. that, That should really put in perspective to Vince, hey, not always you don't always get it. And nobody always gets it if it were me, if it were Vince, if it were you, if it were anybody in that situation. You wouldn't always get it because if some guy came up to you and said, hey, 30 guys, one match, but the match is going to last an hour. And every minute or two, a guy's going to come in. But you can't pin him. You can't submit him. you got to throw him over the top. But even if you throw him over the top, both feet got to hit the ground. But both feet can hit the ground if they go through the ropes and they're not out, right? Okay. Kind of get it. Jim Ross calls out armchair attorneys in relation to Brock Lesnar. Yeah. uh, Telling people to look at Brock Lesnar's contract, cool, whatever, but he shouldn't be subjected to special treatment. He shouldn't. Uh, WWE released ZZ. Had to know that was coming. Also, they released uh, Thomas Kingdon and Josh Woods. I saw Kingdon wrestle at the Arnold Classic, and I figured he wasn't long for the world. Uh, no no offense to him. It's just that traditionally that bodybuilder style is not what the WWE goes after. And I could do a full podcast on this. You've got a lot of the old school people who aren't hip to MMA that are like, oh, that's what a pro wrestler should look like. No, a pro wrestler can look like anything you want it to look like. It's entertainment. It's not real. Like I mentioned on the show the other day, you don't disbelieve a lot of TV characters just because they they, what, they aren't bodybuilders. Did If you watch Sons of Anarchy, did you not believe that Jax Teller could win a fight? And I hate that show, but that he couldn't win a fight because he wasn't 300 pounds and juiced up? No, that's not how it goes. I will do a full podcast on realism and the misconceptions of that. I am not going to limit myself to five or ten minutes on that at all. But, yeah, looks like WDB is doing a little house cleaning uh, with that. By the way, guys, if you all didn't know, you can check these podcasts out on audio now, direct download. Also, we have an RSS feed that you can subscribe to, uh, all that stuff. iTunes and Stitcher should be coming soon. Some podcasts may be on our members-only section. I know some of you had, have had trouble signing up. Don't worry. We will be fixing that this week. Our tech team will be on it. Um, but yeah, go there if you can. Register for the site. You will get access to a lot of exclusive things. It will be absolutely free. Also, it looks like Kane may be deciding to run for mayor. You know, I feel like this would get a lot more headlines if a demon from hell weren't already running for president, or two of them in that case. Yeah. Shinsuke Nakamura says that he decided to join the WWE in August of last year. That's interesting. Uh, Jim Ross has openly stated that he went to McMahon, Vince McMahon and triple H and said, you guys need to sign this guy after wrestle kingdom. Was it nine or 10 Nikki Bella back at the performance center training with the likes of Bailey. She posted a video. There's a site or uh, a picture up on the, uh, or video up on the site. Also an exclusive, uh, Booker T had elbow surgery, which I couldn't hint at, but led to him retiring the Spinner Rooney. Sad day, guys. Sad day. Uh, We will be back Monday night after Raw. Like I said, somebody says, (laughs) well, I've got a couple questions here. Um. Somebody asks uh, about Bobby Lashley. It's just funny. We've got people talking about them in, uh, in in the YouTube chat, too. They say that he looks like a bodybuilder, and he's a legit fighter. Yeah, in some cases, that, that works, but not in all cases. Not in all cases. Uh, but, yeah, guys, subscribe to the site, Fightful.com. Please bookmark the site. Share the site. Share our stories. More importantly... Hang out on those uh, discuss forums. Let's get a community going there. I know they're pretty new. Some of them kind of bare, but you know we're, we're getting a lot more people, especially on this podcast post page. A lot of people talking on there. Uh, share the site. Let's build a nice community. Our forums are going to be great too. Those will be members only, as I said. Uh, sign up for free. Lots of cool stuff coming. Content from Showdown Joe who was nominated for the Fighters Only uh, Journalist of the Year in uh, 2009. Lots of stuff from Vince Russo. We have a new writer coming to the site who um, produces a lot of content in which you won't be able to get elsewhere. And I'm very excited for that. Very excited for that. And anything you guys want to see on the site, let me know. By the way, I think I nailed down an interview with James Ellsworth, the guy who... Job to Braun Strowman on Monday. We've got to set up a time. Really excited about that. Uh, uh, somebody keeps asking if I'm going to do a Friday show. I might do a Friday show. Uh, that's something that actually myself and Alex Pawlowski have been throwing around. But um, that's my only definitive day off of podcasting. I thought about doing a podcast of my own on Saturday. Don't know if I'm legally allowed to do that since I'm under contract to Fightful. But um I thought about doing a show that has nothing to do with fighting and calling it anything but fighting. But um I might do one on Fridays with like NXT Cruiserweight Classic, anything that I miss throughout the week. But I don't know. Also, Lucha Underground coming back in September. Lots of stuff going on, which that means that Ricochet may be contractually available to WWE at the end of 2017 since uh, he is under contract, I think, six months after his last television date. Guys, um, I appreciate you all visiting the site, watching the podcast. We are near 100,000 views, downloads, listens in the first month of Fightful.com. We haven't even started marketing the site yet. We haven't advertised or anything like that. Uh, I can't tell you guys how much I appreciate that. Going from one of the most visited wrestling websites in the world, which I have a, still have a good relationship with, I see a lot of people speculating in the comments, to a brand new thing was very scary. But I have to say that James and his team have provided me with literally everything I have asked. To make this a success, and uh, I want you guys to help me make this a success uh, because obviously I want to make this last as long as possible. I want to make this something very special. I want to make it a different kind of wrestling, MMA, and boxing site. We're gonna—we've got more writers. I've got a team of about a dozen ready to roll out all kinds of cool stuff. Rambling on a little bit, guys, I just want to thank you so much. I'm really enjoying it at Fightful.com. It's a lot of work. Like I said, 70-hour work weeks, but my hobby is my job, and my job is my hobby, and you guys are a big part in making that possible. Uh, as always, visit that onet link on our podcast page. That really helps us out if you uh, purchase some of their great supplements. Also, visit DraftBeast.com so I can just dominate you with daily fantasy I love fantasy football. They are probably going to make back all the money that they pay us for sponsorships based on all the money that I'm probably going to lose this fall. Probably to you guys too. Thank you guys so much. Until Monday, catch you later.